all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ, and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologist-recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost Water Gel Facial Moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd, only at BJ's. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. I said, would you shout in the house today? Father, we thank you that you live and you are high and lifted up. Death could not hold you. Judas could not stop you. I wish some people that love Jesus would shout in here. I know I can't be the only one in here that loves him. Thank you for getting up with me on your mind. I, hallelujah. Somebody just shout in this place if you love him. Hallelujah. Thank you all so much. Good morning, Harvest. Are y'all ready to get into the word today? Just look at somebody and tell you, look at your neighbor, just say, I know he lives. Uh-huh, tell him, say, that's how I made it through last year. Uh-huh, because he lives. That, that, that's how I made it. I know that I know that I know that I know that my no knows that he lives. Hallelujah. Uh, let's lift our Bibles. We're going to get right into the word today. Uh, but first, uh, we have been in the process, before we do that, we welcome every campus today. We have been in the process of changing the provider for our internet campus and things like that. And so now we got a new feature where we can actually see, I can tell you what computer somebody's watching from. So we want to welcome the people from Milford, Ohio, Mesa, Arizona, Eaton, Pennsylvania, Winterville, North Carolina. See Wickley, Pennsylvania, Lake Worth, Florida, Bedford, India, Dallas, Texas, Scottsdale, Arizona, Channel View, Texas. All oh, y'all, all the praise God. Broomfield, Colorado, Herndon, Virginia, Arlington, Texas, Brighton, Colorado, Derby, Kansas, Simi Valley, California, Warner Robins, Georgia, Willowbrook, Illinois, Portsmouth, Virginia, Valencia, California. Nagatuck, Connecticut, Fernley, Nevada, y'all not saying nothing, Villa Park, Illinois, Boston, Massachusetts, Scottsdale, Arizona, St. Joseph, Missouri, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Hyattsville, Maryland, Greenville, North Carolina, Los Angeles, California, Warrensburg, Missouri, y'all not saying nothing. Hold on, this is a whole bunch more, hold on. Hold on, because I want to make sure we welcome you. Mariella, California, Mobile, Alabama, San Bernardino, California, Lincoln, Nebraska, Inglewood, Colorado, Rancho Santa Margarita, California, Mountain View, California, Tampa, Florida, Hemet, California. They like us in California. I didn't even know it was no save people in California. 
Merced, California, Kansas City, Missouri, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Lowry, South Carolina. I'm skipping a bunch just trying to get to a lot of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Lexington, South Carolina, Fort Collins, Colorado, Winchester, Virginia, Nagasaki, Japan. Tokyo, Japan. I'm just reading the report. Y'all not saying nothing to me. Sherwood, North Dakota, Corona, California, Dowagiac, Michigan. I didn't see this one until just now. Southfield, Germany. Titusville, Pennsylvania, Memphis, Tennessee, Memphis in the house. South Memphis, okay, watch this. Uh, Bloomington, Illinois, Petersburg, Virginia, Trustville, Alabama, Richland, Washington, Chipley, Florida, Cochrane, Wisconsin, Murphy, North Carolina. Oh, and all of what I just called, I didn't mention a lot. That was just from last Sunday. All these pages from last Sunday. You ought to shout if you're excited that right now there are probably more people watching us than are even in here. But I'm so excited we had to add some more seats in here. You ought to shout about what God's doing in your church. We are so excited about it. So we welcome everybody watching. And I just wanted to let you know, because you hear me talk about it and you hear me greet people. And now uh, with the new provider that we use, we're able to track uh, all of that and see exactly where people are coming from. So we're excited about that. Amen. Are y'all ready to get in the word of God today? I know you probably shouted out real good, but we're going to shout you some more today. Uh, of course, we are in our series, Sins of the Fathers, Breaking Generational Curses. Let's lift our Bibles. We're going to get right into this word. Say it together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message. That Remain standing, if you will, for one moment. Go to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. Once again, we welcome those watching at every campus today. We're excited that you're in this experience with us. So many places I did not call out. Uh, and we thank God for that. What an awesome testimony to the greatness of our God. And to the greatness of the people of the Harvest Royal Campus. Amen. Numbers chapter 14, verse number 18. When you have it, say, I got it, Bishop. If you're still flipping, say, hold on, Bishop. Okay, I'll wait on you. Now, this one's real easy. This one's towards the front. Okay, if you back by maps, you went too far. Numbers chapter 14, verse 18, you got it? It says, the Lord is long-suffering. Say, he's patient. Now, in the last message, uh, I taught you that patience uh, had uh, dual meaning. Patience here means that God says that, that don't think that he lets people that, are, that you think got over on you or did you wrong, don't let, don't, don't, don't let his delay in dealing with them make you think that they got away with it. But then patience has another meaning. Say another meaning. God is patient with you while you're changing. God, God says, while you're in your process of change, I'll have more patience with you than you might have with yourself. And sometimes you'll be beating yourself up and beating yourself down. And God says, but I'm patient with you because I'm long-suffering with you. Somebody shout, he's patient with me. Then he says, and abundant in mercy. Mercy is when God does not permit what you do deserve to happen to you. 
Uh-huh. Forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty, but visiting the iniquity, say generational sin, of the fathers or the previous generations on the children to the third and fourth generation. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, neighbor. you look nice and young today. But the truth be told, you a couple hundred years old. Because the reality is, the truth of the matter is, you spent most of your life working past the mess and the drama from the generations before you. And by the time you conquer that stuff, life over. That was the truth yesterday. But in this series and today, for the rest of your life, by the time we complete this series, there's going to be some stuff in your bloodline that's totally conquered. And I realize this isn't everybody because some folk like being jacked up. But for those of you that are excited about breaking every generational curse and seeing a new destiny and a new future, I need you to put a down payment on your praise right here. This ain't for everybody, but this is just for those that say, I'm so excited that I'm the curse breaker, and I know I'm the curse breaker because I got a chance to break it. Father, I decrease now that you might increase. I am your mouthpiece. Speak through me, Father, that we might move and walk in those things that you have ordained. We bless you and we honor you this day, sir. We thank you that we are curse breakers. I said we thank you that we are curse breakers. The generations before didn't have the knowledge or the fortitude or both to fight them. But we declare that we are the generation that destroys them. Because a generation is not chronological, but a generation is a mindset. And we are the mindset that says being jacked up ends with us. Be, having lack ends with us. Having drama ends with us. Having mess ends with us. And we honor you for it now in Jesus' name. Customize, Taylor, make this word for us, your people, as we move in what you have ordained in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. As you take your seats, I five, two or three people and say, curse the curse, curse the curse. Uh-huh. See, today this message is just for those of you that are so sick and tired of being sick and tired, you're going to cuss your sick and tired out. Uh-huh. This is just for those of you that say, I'm sick and tired of dealing with the same thing year after year after year, and it's time for something to change. It's time for there to be some increase. It's time to see those things God has promised. I do not believe that God went through everything he did on Calvary so I can live a messed up, jacked up, miserable life. He died for it, so I do not have to die from it. And I wish I had a church in here that knew what I was saying. In this series, we've learned that there are three primary forms of sin according to the scriptures. The first we understand is sin, which literally means to what? Miss the mark. Second, it's transgression, which is to willfully deviate from that which you know to be correct. The third, which we're dealing with in this series, is iniquity. Say iniquity. That is generational sin now that is passed down. And we understand that this series has been designed to equip us and empower us to conquer the iniquity of our bloodline. Say, I am, I am. the curse breaker. Today, I'm going to curse the curse. You do understand what that means. The curse is empowerment to fail. So essentially what we're saying is everything that's been empowering you to fail, you're now going to empower it to fail. 
God, I wish I had a church. I'll just get back on a plane if y'all ain't going to say nothing here. I wish I had a people that said, I'm going to finally turn the tables and I'm not going to be the victim no more, but I'm getting ready to make the victim of what's been trying to victimize me. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. I think there's somebody in here that says, I'm getting ready to turn the tables, man, because I've been running scared thinking I can't do nothing great with my life, but I'm getting ready to turn around and start fighting back. Where are the fighters at in the house? I'm, I'm not laying down and taking this another day. I... Watch this. Watch this. What is? What is? We've discussed this, a generational curse. We've been talking about this. A generational curse is a destructive pattern of behavior that is passed, from one, uh, passed down from one generation to the next. This means that some of the issues you deal with can be linked to the generations before you. And we've, we talked about it as we opened this series about what that really means generationally because it is not so much chronological as it is psychological uh, which means there could be two different chronological generations you uh, and perhaps the generation before you but because you were of the same mindset uh, really that's only one generation so truthfully you could be dealing with several hundred years of stuff that has piled up and the truth of the matter is when we study even human, uh, human behavior, when we study uh, the uh, anthropology of human beings and how human beings process information, how human beings operate, you learn very quickly that most people never really make much progress from what happens to them as children. It's evidenced even in their living patterns. Most people live within 10 to 15 miles of where they grew up, uh, which is not to say that there's something wrong with where you grew up. It's just to say that your mindset hasn't expanded beyond where you grew up. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Watch this. Let me move. Watch this. While Jesus forgives, the actions and curses of the previous generation still live. So what did Jesus do? He gives us power over them. Say, I've got power. Say it again. I got power. Y'all remember that song, I got the power? Just throw your fist up and say, I got the power. All right, watch this. Now, we discovered in this series, how does a generational curse work? It works this way. The sins of the fathers. Fathers there just means previous generations of your bloodline. It visits down to the third and fourth generations. And we've learned in this series that the word visits is the same Hebrew word, pakad, which is often used for pastor. In other words, your generational curses come, in essence, to pastor your life. Which is the reason why you can sit up in church and you can sit up in a church like Harvest and get word and get revelation and get illumination and you get that every week and yet go home and go to back to the same mess and never see progress. It's because truth be told, I'm not your pastor. Your curse is your pastor. God isn't the Lord of your life. Uh, the truth is, is your curse is. But I think there's some people who say in this series, now that I'm knowing better, you better believe I'm getting ready to be doing better. I you better fire that pastor. Does you ought to tell your curse? I got one, and he got on a green shirt today. I fired an old one. Who getting ready to fire their curses? I just need to know who. You stole from me for the last time. You lied to me for the last time. Guess what? What they say? You fired. I, I just wish you look at your neighbor and just do it prophetically. Just tell them, say, my curse is fired. It's fired. It's fired. It's fired. Get up out the boardroom. Take your stuff home. Get to stepping because you got to. So watch this now. Generational curses, we've learned, are facilitated by familiar spirits. Now, the simplest definition of a familiar spirit is just mindset. Say mindset. 
Sometimes when you talk uh, to Christians about spirits, sometimes people can get real spooky. And while there is an element of pneumatology, the study of spirits, um, that does have somewhat of a mystic element to it, uh, we do have to understand that in a very basic premise of understanding spirits, it deals with mindset. Say mindset. There are certain spirits or mindsets that rest over certain regions, which is the reason why you can go to certain parts of the country or certain parts of the world and there be a mindset or a spirit, which is a principality. It is a ruling mindset uh, or spirit of a people in a particular region. You ever gone and traveled and went to your family reunion or something and then all the folk from that region, you're like, what what are y'all saying? What? And you wondered where the uh, profundity of the uh, whackness of the mindset came from. Whack just means bad. Watch this. You, you, you ever sat up and talked to somebody and said, where did you grow up? Who taught you that? Who told you that? Where did you get that foolishness from? Am I talking to anybody? What? Because you are dealing with a familiar spirit, familiar mindset. Bishop, what is that? It is the actions or, or, or excuse me, a pattern of behavior that is common to a people within a certain family or certain region. When you see one crazy woman, check her bloodline. There's some other ones around now. You see one crazy man, check the bloodline. There's some other ones around now. And some of you say, well, Bishop, but they never even were around the crazy ones. Right, that's how the generational curse works. You don't have to be around it to become it. Because when it visits, what does a pastor do? Teaches. So when a generational curse shows up in your life, it starts teaching you that the dysfunction is actually functional, but since you don't know any different, you will accept that it's truth. Oh, I feel like preaching today. And that's why the scripture says that no wonder Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. Angel in that particular passage of scripture is the only time in the New Testament that angel doesn't mean messenger, but it means pastor. Which means when your curse shows up, it starts helping you to justify your dysfunction. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying because it's trying to pastor you. But I wish somebody would just just do your finger like that and just say, but you're fired. You're fired. You've ran your last day in my bloodline. You've ran your last day in my life. And I realize I ain't preaching to everybody because some of y'all looking confused. But I realize I am preaching to somebody. Shout, you're fired. A familiar spirit is a pattern of behavior that is common to people within a certain family or region. It's the actions of someone in your bloodline before you working through you. Familiar spirit says this. It says, if I destroyed by distracting his father with it, his mother with it, his cousin with it, his aunt Nim with it, uh, whatever, then I can get him with it. it. It says this. It says, I stopped all the other men in your bloodline. So I'm going to get you too. It says, I made the other men in your bloodline think they weren't good enough. And so what they did is they responded to their low self-esteem with pride. And since I got them, I'm going to get you too. It says, I got all the other women in your bloodline to have a lot of babies but have no commitment. So I'm going to get you too. Y'all don't have to say nothing to me. I'm fine. I'm very comfortable in what I'm preaching here. Uh, It it will say that if I got the generations before you, I'll get you. It says, I got all the other people in your bloodline to run just before things got good. 
So I'm going to get you too. I got the other ones to act crazy with the people that were for him and to befriend the people that were against him. I'll get you too. If I got Judas, then I'm going to have Judas Jr. If I got Judas Jr., I'm going to have Judas the third because it says, I know you better than you know yourself. I've been studying you. I know what you like. I know what you've been towards. I know just when to come and talk to you. I know when you feel depressed. I know, I know you because I've been studying you because I've been in your bloodline for years and no Nobody else had the audacity to challenge me. But one day you came to a church and you heard the word of the Lord that says, I don't have to work in this curse another day in my life. But nonetheless, it studies, it studies, it studies. It studies. It knows what to use. It knows what's to sin. It knows what to say. It knows the looks that even when you tell other people, how you doing? I'm fine. It knows what you really mean. It knows what uh, I'm fine means in the Hebrew. <laughs> you follow? It knows what I'm fine means in the Greek. It knows what you're really trying to say when you did not say it because it has been in your bloodline for generations. Now, now watch this. Watch this. I need you to move with me. Y'all moving with me? Now, 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 all that we've already covered. Now, watch this. Generational curses are normally perpetuated by three sources. They're normally perpetuated by three sources. The first is family or familiar people. Now, if you study the Bible, it's so interesting because we live in a culture that wants to create Jesus in their image. And so they will say, well, Jesus would do this. And if you read the Bible, Jesus said the exact opposite of what he'd do. If Jesus was just a man of peace, did you, can you read? Jesus specifically said, I didn't come to bring no peace. Jesus said, I came with a sword, the word. He said, I came to turn mama against daughter, daughter against sister. I can't. What, what, what did he mean by turn against? He said, because when they start serving me, they're going to realize that I got to leave the dysfunction of my bloodline. And so that means you're going to have to say to some relatives, I love you, but I got to love you from over here because you want to be messed up all your life. And I'm not having that in my you may be their grandmama, but you crazy. So no, my kids can't come over there. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. You, you, you may be my blood, but blood is not thicker than water because that ain't in the Bible. That just means we're related. If we're not going the same direction, we ain't family. You study this book, and this book shows you that often when God was going to do great things for people, there had to be a disconnect from their bloodline. Don't give me your opinion. Give me the book. God says to Abram, he says, I'm going to make you great. He said, but I want you to leave. I, every time I say this, it's so remarkable. He said, I want you to get away from, the, uh, from your father's house, from your bloodline. Here's the trip. His father was dead. So he wasn't even saying, I want you to literally get away from that man. He was saying, but what that man taught you and what his daddy taught him. See, what you don't understand is Abram was the first in his bloodline to serve the one true God. Terah was a idol worshiper who worshiped many gods. He was polytheistic. Abram was the first in his bloodline to be monotheistic, worshiping the God who would later be the God of the Hebrews. Uh, you know his name in the scripture. Uh, the Jews would not dare to even utter the name, so they just said the name because they understood. Take commandment said, don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. God, uh, just for those of you that don't know, is not his name. God is a title. Uh, it's a sixth century term from the Germanic word gudan. Uh, God's name is, I feel like teaching for just a moment. 
God's name in the Hebrew is Yudhe Wavhe, which in Scripture you will see it uh, all caps L O R D, uh, which is an acronym Y H W H. Watch this now. Uh, when you see that, God was using His real name. In other words, it is the equivalent of if you've ever been in trouble and somebody didn't just call you by your first name, but they called your whole name. Christopher Michael Williams, come here. In other words, when God uses his full name, God says, I'm taking this thing personal because I let you call me by my first, middle, and last name. You're not hearing what I'm saying. So, Bishop, what is it that you're trying to say? Watch this now. Uh, if you study the book, Terah was an idol worshiper. That's Abram's father, T-E-R-H. His name literally means wild goat, loiterer. You know what a loiterer does. Matter of fact, they got signs now in front of places that say no loitering allowed. Because you know what loitering is? Loitering, watch this, it is a bunch of people standing around talking about what they want to do. But they're not doers. They're talkers. And I didn't come to preach to a bunch of folk that just want to be talkers. I came to preach to some people that say I'm not just a talker, but I'm a doer. And I may have had some bad years before, but this year, this the year I'm going to do it. This, this is the year that I'm, where the doers at in the house? I just need to. Loiterers also are bad because, watch this, they will keep people who want to come spend money from entering an establishment. Yeah, drove up somewhere and saw people loitering and said, I'm just going to go somewhere else. That's the way some of the good stuff that was supposed to happen to you has been. It's God sinning and it showed up but said, it's too much terror out here. It's too much loitering going out here. They talking, but they ain't doing nothing. But I believe this is the year for somebody that says, I'm going to do it. So what am I going to do? Everything I thought I was not able to do. Everything they told me I wasn't good enough to do. Everything that the curses said, you ain't going to make it. You ain't doing that. I'm getting ready to show you that you challenge the. All right. Perpetuated by three sources. The first source, family or familiar people. That's just how we are. You know, you got familiar people because you got that person you grew up with that you call cousin. That is not your cousin. And what you don't understand is by calling them cousin, what you have done is invited. Watch this. Watch this. Can I get deep for a moment? You've invited their dysfunction into your already dysfunctional situation because you've made them family. That's my play sister. Well, you better understand your play sister got some stuff that you just invited into the dysfunction of your bloodline. Yeah, okay, whatever. So they're perpetuated first by family or familiar people. You study this book, this book, every time God was getting ready to do something great with anybody, there had to be a separation, sometimes, in fact, many times, physically, from their bloodline. At the very least, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally. Study the book. Happened with Abram. Study the book. Happened with Elisha. Study the book. Happened with Timothy. Study the book. Happened with Joshua. Study the book. Happened with Paul. Study the book. I'd work that, but. Uh, uh, the second, second way a curse is normally perpetuated, it's by mindset. What does the mindset say? This is just how it has to be. That's just, that's, that's just how it has to be. 
That's all I know. That, that's all I know. Uh, oftentimes, we get caught into stuff because we say, that's all I know. But that's all I know. So uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I chose <clears throat> to be a zero when I could have been a superhero. Because that's old country talk for you. Uh, because, because that's all I know. That's all I know. I chose to watch this. Watch this. This ain't you. This is somebody you know. Uh, that they chose to have bad credit. Oh, I know y'all don't like talking about that in church. But, but they chose to have bad credit because that's all they knew. So they watched mama not pay bills on time. They watched mama duck and dive and pretend she wasn't at home. They don't know how to have confrontation because, because they never watched anybody in the bloodline confront well. So, so, so their idea of confrontation is bottling in and then one day exploding. And people are like, what happened to you? And that's because you, you're a science experiment. You got a bunch of chemicals mixed in you and one day you just push. So, so a mindset says, watch this, it seems like this is the only way. It seems like it's the only way because it's a familiar way. It's a familiar way. You, you ever been somewhere? Where, uh, where, 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 where uh, you, you, you had the way you knew how to drive there and get there or, or whatever, and that was the way you knew. And, but one day, you, 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 the Lord gave you a vision of the traffic that was to come. And you decided within yourself, I got to find another way. Uh, the thing was, is the other way was difficult because it wasn't familiar. But then once you learned the new way, you started favoring the new way over the old way. The difficulty, watch this, was just in your perception because it was different. There's a lot of stuff God wants to do in your life that you're saying, God, it's hard. He says it's not hard, it's just different. Stop saying this is so hard, but the Lord is good. It is not hard, it is just different. Stop saying it's just so rough for me. It is not rough, it's just different. You've been used to just slipping by, and God says, but I want you to thrive, and so it's just different. Third way a curse is perpetuated is by a yoke. A yoke, now I've taught you, was, uh, they had a few different versions, but the primary version of a yoke, it was a wooden instrument that was uh, connected one ox to another ox, one animal to another ox. So with one yoke, you had literally two animals because they were connected through the yoke. And so the scripture says in Isaiah that the anointing breaks, watch this, it doesn't break the curse, it breaks the yoke. Because the curse isn't the issue. The issue is that you're yoked to it. The issue is that you're connected to it. See, let, let me help some of y'all understand something. You keep sitting up trying to have a come to Jesus meeting with relatives and families and friends, and you're trying to figure out why they don't want to change like you're changing. And, and you're trying to figure out, well, why won't they do this? And why are they doing this? And why are they doing this? And God is saying, listen, that's going to be what that's going to be. You can't do nothing about that. What you need to do is just get yourself unyoked from that. Which means I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to expect God to do great things for you. But I'm moving forward. I'm going on with my journey. And so if you want to stay here and be sad and mad and depressed, you're going to have to do that by yourself because I'm not showing up to a pity party. I had my last one last year. Uh-huh. Had my last pity party last year. Had my last woe is me last year. Had my... So watch this. So a yoke says... Well, how do I change now? 
I'm 63. I'm 13. I'm 23. I'm 33. I'm 43. I'm 53. 73. 103. Me and Jesus went to school. <laughs> how, how do I change now? Oh, oh sis, watch this. I'm going to help you something. Can I help you something? Y'all show? All right, all right, watch this. Uh, you, you'll remember this. Uh, Joe Harris created Trick, uh, the Tricks Rabbit. You know, the cereal. He was an anthropomorphic cartoon rabbit who debuted in a 1959 Tricks television commercial. And he, watch this, he continually attempted to trick children into giving him a bowl of cereal. I'm going to help you. But he was discovered every time. And the children would say, silly rabbit, and take back their cereal. Oh, don't be that slow. Don't be that slow. You're smart. You're smart. Silly Christian, generational curses are for kids. They've stolen your cereal for the last time. They've stolen your peace for the last time. They've stolen your money for the last time. I wish you'd sell tricks up for kids. Watch this now. <laughs> they often close with the tricks rabbit following up the kids. Silly rabbit tricks are for kids slogan. And sometimes they would say, watch this, <laughs> tricky rabbits. The rabbit originated as a puppet, a puppet rather, before he was animated. Now watch this, watch this. I'm going to turn on you, watch this. The plight of the tricks rabbit was, has drawn comparisons to Sisyphus. A Greek figure, I'll spell it for my note takers. S-I-S-Y-P-H-U-S, that's it. Uh-huh, Sisyphus. <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to help your neighbor. Somebody like, Bishop, who is Sisyphus? Ask me, who's Sisyphus? <laughs> who that boy is? Watch this now. Watch this. That's a good question. You are, you are just so intelligent. You are marvelously gifted. Watch this. Because the quality of the questions you ask determine the quality of life you have. So if you want to live better, start asking better questions. The genius in the room sometimes isn't the one with the answers. Sometimes it's the one with the question. Watch this. Watch this. Sisyphus was a Greek figure who was doomed to endlessly repeat a futile task. Uh -huh, let me take you another further. In Greek mythology, Sisyphus was a king of Ephra, which is now known as Corinth. You know Corinth. The apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in his letters, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Uh -huh, watch this. You still here? He was punished for chronic deceitfulness. Watch this. By being compelled to roll a big boulder up a hill to only watch it roll back down and to repeat that action forever. Your generational curses have been trying to get you to act like Sisyphus. 
doing the same old, same old over and over and over again and thinking you made progress to only see the boulder roll back down and to say, I got to start over again. But there's somebody that's getting ready to let Sisyphus know you got to get up out of here because silly rabbit tricks are for kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, 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 you tricked me for the last time. I want my cereal. Now, now watch this. Can I take you another further? Well, watch this. <laughs> Silly person. Generational curses are for kids. Watch this. Silly Christian. Being messed up is for kids. Well, this is just this is just what I got to deal with. Says who? This is just how life is gonna be for me. Says who? Well, I just got to be broke down, messed up, and mad all the time. But blessed be God. How are you going to say blessed be God next to a confession that's jacked? Well, you know, at least I'm doing better than so-and-so. Really? You compare yourself with average to determine whether or not you're doing something? How are you going to compare yourself with a fool to determine whether or not you're doing something? But at least I made more progress than so-and-so. Why are you in competition with so-and-so? So-and-so is Sisyphus. Why are you competing with a fool? Oh, okay, okay. I can feel a bit of a religious spirit I need to break, so I'm going to break it. Because here's what a lot of Christians do. Paul, Paul, I was, I was listening, if you had the Harvest app, and you, and you do, I like to listen to the Bible and read, of course, too, but I, I like to listen to it. And Paul was talking about how some Christians, their Christianity was so that they could compare themselves to others. And, and so Paul was saying, he was saying, he said, some of you, you do it from a pure heart. But Paul was saying, he said, but, but some of the rest of y'all, Paul was saying, he says, you do it from a place of being able to compare yourself to other people. Some of y'all still ain't getting it. But so, so, so for some Christians, the way they feel like they're better Christians is because they'll say, well, at least I don't do so-and-so. What you forget is you got your own so-and-so. Don't you sit up here and look trying to pontificate like you ain't got some stuff that is between you and God and you're so thankful that he's been kind to you and you're so thankful that he's been merciful to you because you're sitting up in here today, but let's all tell the truth. We all got some stuff. And if it was not for his goodness, and if it was not for his grace, and if it was not for his mercy. Touch the neighbor and say, we all got some stuff. Yeah. But silly person, curses are. <laughs> okay, so can I make the connection? That's why Paul now in his letter says, when I was a child. Be a good church. Come on, be a good church. Make it easy for the bishop. When I was a child, I spoke like one. I acted like one. I justified being one. You know what kids do? They holler, scream, and want you to fix their problem. They make a mess and want somebody else to come clean it up. Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke like one, I acted like one, I thought like one. But when I put Sisyphus away, I realized that curses are for kids. I realized that generational drama is for kids. So he says, when I became a man, which then means being a male is by birth, being a man is by choice. 
Oh, here it is. Uh, right, right. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. I'll put it up for you. So let's make the connection. Sisyphus was the king of Corinth. And Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, he says, when I was a trick. And don't sit up here and act like you ain't never been no trick. It's some stuff that had you tricked out. Don't you sit up in here acting like that. Don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you do it. So Paul says to the people at Sisyphus, when you were a trick, you acted like a trick. You understood like a trick. You thought as a trick. But when you chose to become a man, Oh, I'm so glad there's some mighty men of valor here. I'm so glad that this is not a sexist word, but there's some mighty women here that when you be coached to become a man, you put away your tricking. You put away your curses because silly rabbit, curses are for kids. So, so, so watch this. Watch this. John 10.10 10 says this, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come, watch this, that you may have life, which means it's a choice. So many people are sitting up waiting on God to just, boom, and God is like, but you ain't chose yet. Okay, come on, come on, come on, folks. Come on, come on, come on. God is like, you ain't chose life yet because you've been playing with your tricks. You ain't chose life yet because you've been tolerating your curses. It's a choice. Stop wanting me to do for you what I've empowered you to do for yourself. I have come that you may have life. Now watch this. There is perhaps a conservative interpretation of the scripture that says that's talking about the eternal life in Jesus that we get when we die and go to heaven. And my, I don't expect anything great here. I just, I just want to die and go be with Jesus. Surrounded by your glory, Jesus. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you, will I be still? Will I Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? I like the song. I'm just making a point. Will I sing hallelujah? Matter of fact, I got a question. Will I be able to speak at all? And here's the problem. For most folk, God's going to look at you and say, what are you doing up here? Well, Lord, I wanted to see you. You're not done yet down there. You didn't kill no curses down there. You didn't take nothing over for my glory down there. You're here too early. So there's a conservative interpretation of the scripture. That comes from a very noble uh, attempt. But I need you, can I take you another further? The word life here is zoe in the Greek, which means abundant, overflowing life. Often in the invitation, sometimes you'll hear me say, well, you got so much life that you're bringing others back to life, which means you have such an overflow of great things happening for you that you become the great thing maker for other people. 
Now, I know if, if you got a messed up mindset, it's difficult to wrap your mind around that because sometimes in church, we, you, you're taught to just, just get by through this wretched, old, miserable life so that you can die. But that's not the book. Don't give me your opinion. Give me the book. Somebody shout, give me the book. Jesus said, the thief comes except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you could choose better. Because you really can't choose better unless you have options. Jesus said, I came to give you an option that you could have abundant, overflowing life. And then he then even repeats it because life by itself means abundantly overflowing. So then he says, I came that you might have abundantly overflowing life and you might have that abundantly overflowing life abundantly. Which means God says, when people see you, I want them to say, I want that. Not because of material things. No, 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 no. But that could be part of it. But he said, I want them to see that your peace, when you should be crying, when you should be angry, I want them to see your shalom. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. All I want them to see that and say, I want some of that. And watch this. You have so much of it that you can let them hold on to some of yours. You need some peace, let me pray for you. And then when they leave from being around you, they, my God, I don't know what they prayed, I don't know what they did, but whatever so-and-so just prayed for me, I feel alive. Why? Because you got so much life, you're bringing others back to life. Watch this. Watch this. You hear? So there is a conservative interpretation of the text, which is noble. But there is what he actually said. Now watch this. Now this... This about made me shout. Actually, it did make me shout. Now, for those of you, maybe this is your first time, you're like, wow, they do a lot of shouting at that church. They do a lot of shouting because the Bible says to shout. And here's the other thing. Shouting, let me just teach you very quickly. Shouting in Scripture was a way uh, in Scripture when they needed to call things in order. They would blow the ram's horn, uh, which for Hebrews, they knew when they heard that, that order was coming. In fact, on a brand new Hebrew year, they would blow the shofar. That's why the scripture, when Jesus is talking, he says, one will be in the field, one will be taken, one will not. Well, people have misinterpreted that scripture. Some of you are not busy. What are you talking about? Just stay with me. Um, they misinterpreted that scripture because what happened is one would hear the ram's horn, the other would not. One would hear the announcement of a new order, the other one would do it not. One would hear the announcement that yesterday is over and the other would not. So Jesus was saying one of them's going to get it and one of them's not, yet they're going to be right next to one another. That's why some of you can be sitting in this auditorium hearing this word today. And you might be getting it, but the person next to you got left in the field. But now watch this. That's just an anecdotal note. But watch this now. He says... He says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm coming that you might have Zoe, and that you might have Zoe more abundantly. Catch this out. You ready for thief? Thief here is, now most people, that's the devil. Oh, that devil just wants to kill you and destroy you. Somebody say amen. That devil is just so busy. Blessed be God. Somebody say amen. Oh, the devil works. What? Who do you believe in? Do you serve God or do you serve the devil? I was, I was traveling this week, and, and, and I was listening to the radio, and I listened to the radio, and I was listening to the station, and it's, I said, man, I said, if I said y'all can't say nothing about the devil, that's in the station. 
Folks, our God is awesome, but the devil certainly is busy. Well, who is God? If God be God, worship him. Somebody said, well, Bishop, I'm just, you know, I'm just saying. No, you're giving worth. The word worth, worship, comes from the old Anglo-Saxon word worship, which means to give something worth. So when you sit up and spend all your time talking about the devil this, the devil that, the devil this, you're actually worshiping him. And you're a Satan worshiper and don't even know it. You think because you ain't got a pentagram on and because you ain't got no red paint on your face that, oh, I love the Lord. Not if you talk more about the devil than you do your God. It's quiet in the cathedral today. Because, you know, a cathedral just means house of the bishop. Okay, watch this. You still here? Now, look. The word thief here, you ready for this? It is, it is the Greek word kleptes. Kleptes. Note takers. K-L-E-P-T-E-S. You ready for this? It means a thief who steals by stealth or in secret rather than in open with violence. The reason this whole concept of generational curses and breaking them can be so foreign for some people is because the thief didn't walk up to him and say, I got your mama, I'm getting ready to get you. It does it in secret. Come on, let's go back to week one. It gets back here and says, I want you to know we got all the men in your family to give up. So we're getting ready to do the same thing to you. But we ain't walking up to you and saying that's what we're going to do. We're going to hide back here in the cut. Uh-huh. We're back here, and we're going to wait until you really feel good about yourself. God, I wish I had a church here. We're going to wait just until you think you're getting ready to have a breakthrough. And right when you feel like you're at the precipice of the greatest moment in your life, the thief, Kleptis, comes in and says, I'm getting ready to steal, and I'm getting ready to kill, and I'm getting ready to destroy. What's this? Because the generational curse steals by stealth, and you don't often know what it is until you're taught what it is. You still here? So Jesus said, the stealth of uh, a thief that operates in secret comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I am come that you have a choice. The blessing to curse. Either way, the choice is, say your name. Say choose. And say do it fast. You don't have six months to come up with this choice. You don't have another year to come up with this choice. You've wasted so many already. You don't have another year to sit up and wait to choose. Say, I choose the blessing now. Now, no, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Uh, in the last message, we started talking about what's been stealing, killing, and destroying in your life. So you understand this then? A generational curse is a thief who operates in stealth. It operates because you don't know what it is until it's already plundered you. It takes all your money for you to wake up one day and say, where the money? It takes all your peace for you to wake up one day angry and say, why am I mad? It takes you ruining every good thing that has happened to you for you to wake up and say, maybe I need to stop ruining every good thing that happens to me. But you've ruined so much that it takes your fight. So when you begin to break the curse, one of the first things we got to get you back is your fight. That's why today we're going to curse the curse. Uh, all right, all right, all right, all right. 
Now, let me say this. Jesus and Harvest accepts and loves everybody. Uh, so when we got into this last week, uh, that's why I did my best to finish it last week because I didn't want to make no part two out of that one because it got real quiet in the church. And I realized most of us were just taking a moment to say, wow, whoa, for real? God, uh, that's cold-blooded. Ain't it, man? That's, woo. Let me go to the bathroom. Is he done yet? Let me, now, he ain't doing a part two of that, is he? Okay, good. Now, I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me. I'm being funny. I need you to hear me. Jesus and Harvest accepts and loves everybody. So this topic is not to ostracize or criticize, but help us to recognize so that we can aggrandize our futures. Aggrandize just means to make better, make bigger, be large and in charge. Y'all remember Charles in charge? I want Charles. And I think I want, I want Charles of me. All right, okay, watch this. What does that have to do with it? I just wanted to know if you knew it. Okay, watch this. <laughs> now, we looked last week, I'm almost through, at Deuteronomy 28, which is not an exhaustive list of, of, of the curses and things like that. Uh, so some of you may say, well, I didn't hear this mentioned. Well, it's not an exhaustive list, because here's the reality. All you have to do is simply look at your life and ask, where are there areas that it's clear empowerment to fail? So whether or not Deuteronomy 28 lists it out or not, that's not the exhaustive volume of curses. Right, right, right. There's a lot of them, but it's not the exhaustive volume. So, so, so check this out. Now, when we review this very quickly today, I need you to view it through the lenses. Watch this, that these things have been stealing, destroying, and killing. They've stole your hope. They've destroyed your self-worth. And they have killed many times your vision and your dreams. So when we look at them today, I don't want you to look at them from the posture of, wow. I want you to look at them from the posture of, I'm mad about it. Because people change one or two times when they learn enough that they want to or they heard enough that they have to. So can we just make it so that we ain't got to go either way? We can just look at it and say, I'm mad that you stole from me. I'm mad that you robbed me of that good job. I'm mad that you robbed me of those good friendships. I'm mad about it, and if I get angry enough about it, I'll change it. That's why some of you are in such frustrating predicaments now, because God says, I know you won't do nothing until you get angry enough about it. So God says, I'll just let the heat get as hot as it's got to get because I need you to get mad. You sitting around talking about Oakley Doakley like you're Fred Flanders or whatever the boy Flanders from Simpsons. And God says, I need you to get angry about some stuff so that you say it can't happen no more. So for the next moment, we're just going to be a bunch of angry white folk, angry black folk, angry Hispanic folk, angry Asian folk, whatever we are. We're just getting ready to be angry for the next five minutes. So for the next five minutes, this is a no-note zone. This is what you're saying. Put your notepad down for the next five minutes. We're just going to be angry. <laughs> Bishop, well, I just don't believe anger is a good emotion. You know what? Well, keep on living cursed then. That's your problem. I, I ain't got nothing to do with me. But I know there's some stuff that when I get mad about it, you ever got mad about living paycheck to paycheck and said, all right, no, I'm going to start tithing today. I'm going to start giving offerings today. I'm not going to see this lack in my life another day. You ever get tired of people calling you with gossip? 
You know what you did when you got mad? Don't you call me no more with that mess. But until you get mad about it, you ain't going to do nothing about it. Until you get mad about the dysfunction in your marriage, you ain't going to do nothing about it. Until you get mad about the fact that your kids don't serve the Lord, you ain't going to do nothing about it. So for five minutes, you know, if you'd like to be angry about it, be angry. If you want to perpetuate it, you do you. Because <laughs> I'm going to do me. And we're going to do we. <laughs> So watch this. So we got to look at it from this angle. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Okay. Now, I said it's a no-note zone. If you want to take notes, you can keep taking notes. I'm just trying to prove a point. It's hard to be angry. That is so true. (laughs) Pat Bowling got tired and angry of losing. So he said, I'm going to get John... And they're going to let him go. I'm getting paid. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Y'all ain't happy the team is it? And he said, I bet you we're going to do something this year. When you get tired of losing, you're going to find a way to win. Didn't he do it? Peyton said, I want a Super Bowl. So, whatever I got to do. And if you don't like the Broncos, that's okay. Don't be a hater. Haters get bent. You know, I'm honest that I used to be a Fairweather fan. Truth be told, I still am. But they winning, so I'm on the bandwagon now. So, <laughs> I'm just being funny. I'm just being funny. I'm, 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 my hometown team is, is, you know, that's where my Lord is laying. So, but I'm so thankful for the Broncos, and we love God, and we thank God for them. Yeah. Bishop, what's the point? <laughs> when you get angry enough for losing, you're going to find a way to win. When you get tired of being at the bottom, you're going to find your way to the top. When you get tired of having lack and dysfunction, you're going to find a way to have function and abundance. When you get tired of crying about the same thing, you're going to find a way to change it so you ain't got to cry about it another day. No, no, no. So, so here it is. Here it is. I'm almost through. <laughs> so we looked at this. Now, remember, this isn't an exhaustive list. But remember, I want us to look at it through the lenses of these are the thieves that have been stealing, killing, and destroying. So the first set we looked at last week was Deuteronomy 28, verse 48 and 68, slavery and constant lack. You're always in need. There's holes in your pocket. You seem to fix one problem to only create another problem. The scripture says that there'd be a yoke of iron. A yoke of iron, remember we know what a yoke is now, it would keep your head down so you'd have a woe is me victim mentality. Your woe is me, everybody else is against me mentality has been stealing from you. And you sitting up and saying, I just don't know why. I'll tell you why, it's you. Now that's a dose of reality, but you came up in here to get some reality. Everybody just seems to be against me. Could it be that you make them against you because you act crazy? Now, that's not the truth for everybody. But, 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 but could it be that there is perhaps a possibility for that? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It's been stealing from you. It's been robbing you. Oh, I just woe is me. That's been stealing from you. Oh, my mom wasn't around. That's been stealing from you. Oh, my dad wasn't around. That's been stealing from you. Oh, my family, oh, my family did me wrong. That's been stealing from you. 
The second set we looked at was Deuteronomy 28, verses 20, 28, 64, 66. Emotional breakdown, confusion, and chronic fear. Meaning everything that you set your hand to, it never works. You be mind, uh, mad, you be blind, you be confused, depressed, emotional roller coasters, paganism, practicing magic, involvement in the occult, using your horoscope as a guide for living. All of those things, the scripture says, those are curses. And they have been robbing from you. The third set we looked at was Deuteronomy 28, verses 21, 22, 27, 35, 59 through 61. Repeated sickness, diseases, anorexia, uh, anorexia bulimia, boils, sores, cancer, blindness, uh, heart diseases, diabetes, asthma, series, uh, serious and prolonged sickness, things that the doctors can't figure out. Uh, in fact, the scripture specifically says the itch. That's been robbing from you. You know why? Because its desire is, is to attack you about your future. Is to make you think this might take you out. What is this? So it steals from you. And then the stress creates more sickness, so you create a perpetual cycle. And so I just don't know why I'm so ill. Maybe it's because there's something you need to break, and you won't break it until you get sick and tired or call it in to work about it. All right, fine. Deuteronomy 28, 25, that was the next set we looked at, never succeeding at anything. The scripture says that you would flee seven ways before every issue. I need to pause right here for about 30 seconds. This is where we get the spirit of the runner. A runner is a person that does, uh, that they run because they can't handle confrontation. See, okay. All right, we're going to go there then. Okay, watch this. So, so you know the spirit of the runner because the spirit of the runner says, I need to really go have a conversation and not leave that jacked up like that. But I'm leaving it jacked up like that because I can't handle confrontation. So what I need to do is say, you were right, I was wrong, please forgive me. But pride steps in and says, well, why don't you just run and that way you won't have to deal with it. The problem is you can't run from yourself. And I don't care where you go and where you run to, you still going to be there. Spirit of the runner, spirit of the runner. Uh -huh. Being a zero is easy. Being a superhero costs you something. Next group, Deuteronomy 28, 18. Life barrenness and sexual and reproductive issues, reproductive problems, STDs, uncontrollable anger, rage, financial instability, low self-esteem, suicide, fornication, pornography, abortions, infidelity, affairs, drug abuse, soul ties. I talked about all that last week. Deuteronomy 28, 18. That's been stealing from you. It's been robbing from you. Deuteronomy 28, 41, 53 through 56. Marriage and family problems. Abuse and family relationships. Family folk always being locked up. And it's got, you got so used to it, you're just trying to figure out which one going to be next. And you justify it by saying, well, you know. And that's not, the, let me be clear, because remember, this isn't designed to judge or beat any of us down. It's just so uh, we can see, oh, that doesn't have to be that way. Everybody can be at dinner? What? Say what? <laughs> Judgmental family members. They know two scriptures and trying to judge everybody with them two scriptures they know. And then when you make a mistake, they try to, and you're supposed to be a Christian. You know what? I sure am one. And I'll tell you just how good of one I am that when I fall, I had enough sense to get right back on up. Christianity is not about living a perfect life. It's about realizing that when I fall, I get, maybe you slipped and cussed. Get right back up. 
Maybe you slipped and did something you shouldn't have done. Uh huh, so am. Not about being perfect. You, you work out your own stuff. And that's the reason why the world looks at Christians and doesn't want to be one of us because they think that we're trying to make them perfect. And then they'll look at us and say, but y'all ain't perfect. But who brought the perfection discussion up? That's why he died, because we got some issues. And I think it's a church full of folk that's shouting at the fact that he died. But he didn't stay dead, because three days later, didn't he get up? I said, didn't he get up? You ought to stop letting people hold your failures over you. Well, I can't believe you did that. Well, let me tell you something. I sure did. But his blood was powerful. And his blood washed me whiter than Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Watch this. Be seated. I got to move. I got to move. Got to move. I can't believe you did that. Sure did. <laughs> oh, but I got a savior who loves me unconditionally. High five somebody say, you won't judge me. You won't judge me. No, you won't. No, you won't. You make mistakes too. You're not perfect yourself. But how many of folk run away from church because somebody tells them, well, I can't believe you did that. And they think, well, I can't go to church because I messed, I failed God. You re- let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I, I failed the Lord. I can't go to church. Can I tell you, he anticipated your failure. So while they were beating him for your sin and my sin, he was like, I'm taking it and I'm taking another one, but I'm doing it because I love him and I'm taking another one and I'm doing it because I love him and I'm taking another one and I'm because I know one day they're going to be trying real hard and they might fall and if they fall, they're going to need the strength to get back up again. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, but the story for you and I is different because the king's men can put us back together again. I can't pray because I left the Lord. Now, you better open your mouth and say something. I can't go to church. I left the Lord down. You be- <laughs> this is not about trying to be perfect. For the religious people in the room, but Bishop, Reverend Doctor, and it's most Reverend Doctor, thank you. Get it right. Uh, uh, look at him. The scripture says, be ye perfect, because your Father in heaven is perfect. I told y'all a story before about how a lady, I was an associate pastor, a lady came up to me. I got 10 minutes left. I have to finish. I can't do a second CD today. Okay, so y'all got to help me. No, I cannot take my time. Stop telling me stuff like that. It's going to get in my spirit. Now I'm going to be like, I got time. No, I got to finish. I keep, I keep sewing the bookstore up when I do that. Okay, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Stay with me now. Stay with me. Watch this. And, and the lady, she had just gotten off crack cocaine a week and a half before. 
I mean, literally, she, I mean, she literally, we pulled her out of the, off of Colfax here in Colorado. We pulled her off of Colfax, and she literally, I mean, she, you know, she just got off, you understand? Okay, and I'm not making this, don't go there with me. I'm just saying she just got off, you understand? I mean, you know, she was still trying to just, you know, figure it out. And she came, she said, uh, I was pastor time. She said, pastor, uh, she said, I just got a problem. I said, what your problem is, baby? What the problem is? Uh, this is a feel-good gospel. I wouldn't have seen your pastor. She said, this, y'all preach a feel-good gospel here. I said, what you mean? Because my Bible tells me. I said, oh, you finna go there with me. Okay. So if you're going to start quoting scriptures, you better, okay, you ain't dealing with no amateurs, so you better come correct. Now tell me what to tell you. Now I'm not being pretentious. I'm just telling you, don't come to me no foolish that you don't know what you're talking about. Tickles me when people try to, you know, anyway. Okay. And so, see, my Bible tells me that I can be perfect. And you're telling me that God has mercy and that God can do this and that and other, some other stuff she said. I've told the story so many times I tried to push it out of my mind. And you're telling me this and that and this and that. And, and that just feels like a feel-good gospel. I didn't even respond to her ridiculous assertion about the scripture because she read it out of context. Perfect there means whole. Be ye nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing like it. So I didn't even address that. I said, babe, didn't you just get off the pipe? I mean, like a couple weeks ago, didn't they send the band down there to pull you up out of there? So how dare you question the God who wants to love you and try to judge somebody else? You ought to be glad that he loves you. You ought to be glad that he gives you. Anybody glad for not a second chance, but another? I used my second chance a long time ago. I ran out of those. He's just been giving me another and another and another and another. I said, you ought to be shouting. But if you want to go to hell, then go and go to hell. Okay, anyway, next. Deuteronomy 28, 17, 29 through 30, and verse 42, financial insufficiency, being accident-prone and unnatural deaths. The way Christians are supposed to go out is we just close our eyes and go sleep. And the Bible says you can't kill a Christian. Christians just go sleep. That's why the Scripture says death wears your sting. You can't kill a Christian. Because what's the promise for a Christian? Eternal life. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So either way, it's a win-win. But now watch this, watch this, repeated divorce. Now, watch this, 50% of folk mess up the first time, 67% mess up the th- second time, 73 mess up the third time. So now that's not to say that every time there, and I don't have time to get into this in depth, that, that, that you realize, oh, the God, God didn't put that together, hormones put that together. Now say amen, because y'all know where we went a few weeks ago now. Don't make the bishop have to get that real. Bishop, what are you trying to say? But if you keep on picking the wrong one, Maybe it's an empowerment to fail. Rebellion, repeated bankruptcy, uh, 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 pride, not honoring leadership, prostitution, repeated bad decisions, watch this, after being taught. Working hard and never seeing any progress. It's like being on a treadmill. Treadmills feel real nice. Problem is you ain't going nowhere. You still here? That stuff's been stealing from you. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, 32, your children being married to their destruction. There's some parents that say, because I read your prayer requests in prayer of them, so I know what you're praying for. And watch this. Uh, there's some parents that are like, my God, Lord, just please get them away. That is Delilah, and they can't even see it. Get them away from Delilah means one who weakens or makes poor, which means Delilah's not just a woman. It can be a man. Delilah. Yeah, Delilah. 
Now, if your name is Delel, okay. Well, if the shoe fits. Okay, watch this. All right, here it is. Deuteronomy 28, uh, uh, 33 and 39. Being taken advantage of. That's been stealing from you. And then what happens is, is you get so tired of being taken advantage of that now what you start doing is antithetical to that you start building walls. But the problem when you build walls is that you're so busy trying to self-protect that you don't need to see the damage that you're doing to the other person. It's hard to see through a brick wall. Got it? That's been stealing from you. Uh, Deuteronomy 28:54, weak and passive men. That's been stealing from you. Deuteronomy 28, 56 through 58, overbearing women. Okay, it's quiet right there. It always gets quiet right there. The ladies like it when I be talking about, that's right, tell them men, Bishop. But when I come to y'all, y'all ain't got nothing to say. Don't be that obvious. Viewing anything that brings order as controlling or cult as being mean, putative, which means she jumps to conclusions before she even knows. She shoots first, asks questions later. Deceitful. That's been stealing from you. But I got some good news about those things. The scripture makes us a promise about when we find a thief. Proverbs 6, 30 and 31. Come on here. I got four minutes. I got to get it to you. Now, all of those things I just read are what? Thieves. And what do they do? They come to do three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, but I want you to have a what? Choice. Somebody shout, I got choices. Shout, I have options. The option of the blessing. So watch this. Now that we found out what's really been stealing. I don't have, God, 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 God. Let me say it again. Now that we found out what's really been stealing. Because you've been blaming stuff that wasn't the stuff. Now that we found out what's really been stealing, let's see what the Bible says about that. Proverbs 6 and 30. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy, satisfy himself while he is starving. Now, I just wanted to give you that so you could see that we're talking about a thief in verse 31 since it doesn't directly say a thief. But it talks about a thief in verse 30, which tells us that verse 31 is talking about a thief. Here it is. Yet when he, who is he? A thief. Yet when he is found, he got to pay you back. Now, maybe you don't care about getting what it stole from you back, but I do. Put it up. Yet when he, who's he? Thief. Is found. He's got to restore how much? And then here's what the Bible says. Even if it costs him everything he has. Now, be seated so I can just give you these couple words real quick, and then I know you're going to shout. I can see you want to shout. It's a shout getting ready to break out in here. It's a praise getting ready to break out in here. It's some rejoicing getting ready to break out in here. Some of you ain't clapped your hands all worship experience, but you're getting ready to because I'm getting ready to tell you what God's trying to announce to you. Of all the places you could have been today, you're here. Why? Because God says, I got an announcement I'm trying to make to you. Sickness tried to keep you from church today. Loneliness tried to keep you from church today. Drama tried to keep you from church today, but there's some people that push through. And so heaven has an announcement for you. The original Hebrew, uh, verse 31 says, yet when he is found. Now, in the original Hebrew, that's not how it's written. In the original Hebrew, it says, if but he be found. <laughs> if but he be found. Bishop, what does that mean? Found there is the Hebrew word matzah, M-A-T-S-A-W. 
which means to watch this, solve the riddle. Some of y'all been trying to figure out why. Why? Why? I don't know those words. I still don't know those words. I probably am not going to know those words. Some people are trying to figure out why. Why this and why that and why this. Uh, scripture says, if you solve the riddle. What's this? The word matzah, it means to detect. <laughs> Watch this. Watch this. But this is the definition I really like. Be gained as a harvest. Stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. So let me explain it so then you can shout about it with understanding. Because shouting is good, but let's just make sure we shout with understanding. Praise is good. Let's just be praise with understanding. Watch this. It says, but if, watch this, excuse me, original Hebrew, if but you gain a harvest because you've detected the riddle and solved the riddle. No, you didn't even hear me. It, it didn't even say that you had to fully conquer it yet. Because some of you are saying, this is going to take forever. Shut your mouth. Look at somebody and just tell them like you're from the 60s or 70s. Tell them, just shut your mouth. It says, if you solve the riddle. Okay, now y'all don't know your cue to shout. Here it is. If you solve the riddle, which means I didn't even have to fully conquer the thief. I just needed to figure out who was stealing. If I solve the riddle... I will gain a harvest. And then watch this now. The scripture says sevenfold. Shout sevenfold. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right through here. Here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. Just let me teach you this last part. Watch this. Teach you this last part. Watch this. Sevenfold here means restitution. Now, I know what most of us want to do is count out seven things. Like, well, you stole 484,000. So 484,000 times seven. I need, I need to give you something here. In the Mosaic law, Torah, got it? If a, if, if, if a thief was caught from Exodus 22, he had to pay double. If you found him stealing and you found what he stole in his hand, he would give you fourfold, in some cases fivefold. So when the writer of this proverb, Book of Wisdom, when he says sevenfold, it's interesting because there is no specific law in Torah that dictates a sevenfold response. Bishop, what are you trying to say? What is you talking about? So how much I'm going to get? <laughs> Most scholars have just taken it to mean that not only, watch this, is he going to have to give me double because he's a thief, but he's going to have to give me the maximum penalty available under the Torah, which would be fivefold plus sevenfold, or plus twofold, equaling sevenfold. Five and two is seven. Now, come on here, Denver public. Come on. I'm just being... Just... Bishop, what are you trying to say? The writer of the proverb was just letting you know that when you identify the thief and then you can see exactly what it stole, 
God says, I will restore to you the maximum penalty available under the law. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? If you've ever had a court case and there were penalties involved, sometimes the judge would extend the maximum penalty available under the law. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? God says, I don't just want you to get a little bit. I want you to get the maximum restoration and restitution available under the Torah, which means, Bishop, what? God says, I want it to know that it never should have came against you. Uh, I want to empower your curse to fail, and I'm out of time. Y'all can take a little more. Stand on your feet, everybody. <laughs> so, Bishop, what do I do next? Be here next week. Be here next week as we continue, as the world turns. Because every now and then, you might need a general hospital to help you and be your guiding light. <laughs> I like that. I'll use that. Which can take you to another world. Watch this. I'm going to change on you. Because every now and then, you need to see things in living color. Because <laughs> you might just be so crazy. <laughs> Because it's a different world. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions. And it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase. And no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ, and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologist-recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost Water Gel Facial Moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd, only at BJ's.